Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tea Girl Eat Girls, the only video podcast on Spotify about the internet, pop culture, the intersections, the outer sections, and the trans sections. Betty was doing handography right now mm-hmm. for that. that so if you cute. aren't watching the video version of the podcast, watch it, girl. Yes, you definitely should be checking us out on the video podcast. We put a lot of work and effort into making the video look cute. So anyway, And we get dressed. I'm Betty. Oh, hi. Great to meet you. Who are you? I'm Kala. Great to meet you. Oh my you. god, so nice to meet hi. you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I am a drag queen, a okay. transsexual. Oh my. Um, and a turkey stuffer. Okay, turkey stuffer. I am also a drag queen, funny mm-hmm. enough, and I'm also not really here right now. No. Yeah, I think I'm astral projecting into oh. the room. Oh my god. Yeah, Do I, I am need to psychic. go get a Ouija board? A Ouija? Is it Ouija or Ouija? Lesbians. Les- <laughs> Lesbians, let us know. Please. <laughs> Please come to our rescue. So today, Kala and I are going to be going on a bit of a journey. Yeah. Because you're listening to this podcast right now. So you are listening to a trans podcast. Yep. And therefore, kind of supporting trans people. Thank you so much for your consideration. And I love that. But notice all that emphasis I was putting on the transness of it all. That's right. That's because this is a podcast where Kala and I have commodified our identity. That is absolutely correct. And the topic of today's podcast is the commodification and contentization of everything. Everything is content. And everything is commodified. And I hate to admit it, but here we are making a podcast. Exactly. So... so. Kala, what are your thoughts? We're going to do two sections of conversation about this. Um, the first part is kind of about the commodification of everything. Mm-hmm. So like the the fact that we everything has to be sold. Yeah. What are kind of a little bit of your thoughts about how, I'm going to say specifically, the commodification of identity is happening across mm-hmm. like platforms? Yeah. Well, I think it's something that all of us are like constantly thinking about and it kind of touches on some of the things that we've talked about already on this podcast. Like when you, when I think of that, the first thing I think about is dating apps, funny mm-hmm. enough, or Instagram, this place where you like put forward this like most perfect version of yourself, the internet you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's almost like, it's almost like you're a product, like you're a commercial and you're advertising to potential friends or dating partners. Like this is how cool I am. This is all the f- fun stuff that I do. And I don't know. When did we all become marketers of our own life? It's weird. Yeah, it's interesting because um, going to school for acting, this is like part of like a course that is taught to us. Yeah. Um, in my, my senior year of college, we basically just had like a whole business of like theater and auditioning course. And part of what was like taught to us in that is that we as actors are first and foremost selling ourselves. Yeah. Um, and if you think generally as a young person if you think you're gonna get into the business of acting to be like a perfect chameleon who could become anybody else you're wrong (laughs) the business of acting is really about uh finding kind of like who you are and presenting that to a bunch of studio executives yeah being like hey this is how you can make a bunch of money off of me yeah yeah 
most of the things that I booked, I was just kind of playing various versions of like queer people. Oh, um, interesting. Which I don't mind because like I, you're, no, I'm never gonna not be a queer person. Yeah. Um, but it's really fascinating that like I, in a weird way, it's like a limiting of like what I'm allowed to do as an actor, mm. but. And there's, like, a little bit of freedom of being, like, well, I know that I don't have to, like, really show up and be anybody but myself right, today. Right, 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 right. Everybody is now constantly being able to, like, look at themselves in a video on their phone and think about, well, what type of messages does this represent? What does this say about me? Do those align with what I think could possibly get a bunch of views and likes and follow follows, which could then lead to me making money off of being myself. Yeah, oh my god, I have so much to say about how Please. people commodify their identity in that way where it's like you're posting solely for a specific audience to the point that it gets so distilled that you end up an alt-right caricature or an incel <laughs> or something. You know, like, I truly believe that a lot of those people that are famous, web famous, in those types of really toxic spaces, like, Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of times they don't even believe the stuff that they're saying. They just know that if, if I post these keywords, a bunch of people will watch it and interact with it. But anyways, before we get too deep into this conversation about commodification, before we really dive into the juicy bits, I want to bring up a game we've been playing. Yeah. Week over week over week. That's right. Because I know some of our listeners are excited for us to reveal who our Unova starters were so every week betty and i have been going generation by generation and saying who our pokemon starter was and then based on our decisions revealing to you the audience what that says about you so betty who is your generation five starter caveat everybody sidebar i am pretty tepid on the unova starters i'm yeah. sorry it's controversial i'm is sorry it? if you love the gen five starters good for you I'm glad, I'm glad you want to be different. And, uh, you're beautiful. <laughs> Although, like, at this point, I think with enough redesigns, Oshawa to Samurai has become kind of cool. Right, and actually my starter pick for Gen 5 was Oshawa. Oh, really? I thought Oshawa was the cutest yeah, of cute, the three starters. Cute little otter. Um, and then once I saw their evolved forms, I was like, uh, they're okay. Um, and I mean, like, that is the nice thing about, like, the Hisuian forms, or, like, when people, when Pokemon get regional forms, it kind of brings life back into, like, that Pokemon, like, so I guess Oshawott is probably the most visible of the Unova starters anyway. Right, right. So, if you picked Oshawott, you, um... You have you, taste. You have a little bit of taste, and you have a little bit of, like, you kind of just went with your gut. You were like, this one's probably gonna be the least ugly. You said I can't have any uggos on my team. No. How about you, Kala? I, I'm bo really boring at this point because everybody's going to be able to guess who I pick. But the grass type starter, Snivy. Snivy. Yeah. I felt the same. They just like, none of them were cute. Even Oshawa to me was like kind of, especially the evolved forms. And I guess I'm shallow also. And I want cute Pokemon. No uggos on my team. Which I think there are plenty of cute Pokemon in Unova. Just the starters weren't They really... weren't it. Yeah. Um, Snivy has kind of like grown on my heart at this point. I think Superior is pretty cool, but I don't know. Yeah, none of the starters really did it for me in this one. But I would say if you picked Snivy, hmm, you are... High, currently. Yeah, literally. You're a stoner. I mean, his tail is shaped like a, a weed leaf. Yeah, 
And I mean, it is based in New York City. So maybe it is the representation of just like the stoners of New York. Um, and then Tepig, is that its name? Tepig. That's how much I care about that. Because it's Tepid. So if you picked Tepid, I feel really Tepid about you. Yeah. Did what... it say if you picked Tepid? If you picked Tepig, I feel really Tepid about you. What is the, even you. the final evolution of this? Uh, Embor. Embor. That Talk about a... an ugga. I was going to say, that is a hideous Pokemon design. <laughs> I don't like Embor. Not at all. And I think, like, I wish they wouldn't do this, and I'm so excited for next week's episode because of it's this. It's going to be very opposite, yeah. I'm I'm sick of fire in any series, okay? Not just Pokemon, equaling boy stuff. Yeah. It's, like, boring at this point, you know? Like, let girls be the cool fire-fighting Pokemon every yeah. once in a while. Yes. It's too... Who picked that Pokemon? Somebody. People that drink monster energy drink. Yeah, people who drink monster energy drink. So if you picked Tepic, you like monster energy. Disgusting. Um, okay, Betty, let's get back into it. I think I have more to say about commodification than Pokemon. I do as well. So you go first, though, because you were chomping at the bit earlier. Right. Okay. Well, let's get back into that original question of, like, sort of what is this commodification? Like, how am I thinking about what that mm-hmm. means? I think we see it in two different ways. One way is kind of like what you were talking about, where it's like, it's this very traditional form of marketing where the whole point is the thing that you're marketing is the person, whoever that person is. Um, And the hope is that that influencer will make content that resonates with an audience and it's entertaining and so they keep watching and hopefully get exposed to advertisements. Then there's this other version where the literal job of the influencer is like a QVC salesperson. Oh, yeah. They're literally just selling to you, and that is, they're not making entertaining content. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I give this five stars. You should buy it at this link. You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? Yeah. I auditioned for, so you know how like TikTok shop exists, what you were just talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like basically people become content creators just to sell you Just things. to sell things, yeah. I auditioned for a like host slash like, um, full-time like content creation gig for QVC. (gasps) No way. They were trying to make their own like TikTok shop app. Whoa. Yeah. And you were going to be like one of their influencers? Yes. That's so cool Um, actually. But they were like, they said they were looking for like hosts. Mm. So like people that would host like their, like the, the company's like live streams. Interesting. it It would be like hosting QVC's like live streams. So like, how the shopping channel like has like hosts it'd be kind of like that but yeah. like for qvc products like qvc live streaming interesting and for like products from them and their partners see and i feel like and this is where i was going with this right there is a way on social media like that to make money and to make a living at social media and that's that's pretty exciting but it's very boring work you're a salesperson right and if you like sales if you love being a salesperson maybe it's not boring work but i imagine most people who are thinking about like i want to be an influencer i want to i want to put all my data out into the universe to be fully commodified it's not because they want to sell a bunch of products they think that they're going to be like this lifestyle person they they think they're going to be in bucket number one yeah and social media has like in my mind just take captivated everybody's attention like children today want to be an influencer so bad that's like the number one job prospect without realizing because social media is not being apparent about this 
the only way you're gonna make money doing that is be being a salesperson. Yep. This other thing is this amorphous content creating thing as a form of entertainment is so, so, so rare. Mm-hmm. And people spend countless amounts of their time consuming on the commodification of other people's life. For yeah. what? It's very wild. I know I do it though too. Like I really do. Like I put YouTube videos on just on the background. Like yeah. all day, every day. And I mean, ever since YouTube really flipped over into um, not just being like a place to post whatever type of videos, but mm. being a place where it's like you, the creator, trying to make something and then you're allowed to sell products on top of that has been very different. Mm. And so... I hate But like, I shop. really am on YouTube and I subscribe to YouTubers because I end up caring about like that person's yeah, life. Yeah, they become like an online what they're friend. going through. And then I'm like... What if I donate to their Patreon because then they can buy better stuff for themselves or yeah. like level up in their life. You really become like attached to like the personality, not just necessarily like the thing they're selling. But then the like weirdness of that is like, well, I guess really what they're selling is themselves. Because yeah. if I fall in love with them, they're going to make a bunch of money off of me. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's what I'm trying to also do basically as an actor. Because if everybody falls in love with you as an actor, then... You keep making money. And then I'm like, wow, wait, wow, should I just quit everything? And I know- Am I just destined to be a product? I know that we are going to get into this in the next kind of like section of this conversation where we talk about how people turn their lives into content. But one thing that scares me about that is the way that I feel like I'm old enough to remember my friendships in the early era of social media and cell phone technology where it still felt like I had plenty of face-to-face conversations with with my friends and things felt natural. Sometimes nowadays when I'm making new friends, it almost feels like they're screening me to see Mm -hmm. if I fit like their aesthetic, like their lifestyle. Oh my God. And if I don't fit, especially here in LA, if you don't fit into this person's type of like online social click and social aesthetic, then you're not really going to get invitations to participate in things that they're doing. This is literally tolerating me because not 20 minutes ago... I was like, I didn't know if we had like the same life or we were going to be friends and that I was so glad I got, and I got to know <gasps> uh, you <no>! better. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. There's people who are like really, really into this, who are chasing the high of being an influencer, who are trying to monetize it, who are really commodifying the shit out of their life. I feel like not all of them, but some of them can see other people as, they, you know the word objectify? We need a new word. Prod- productify product where like you see yourself as a product you start seeing everybody else as a product well commodify commodify is commodify right. yeah it's scary i know I like it really it. is i wanted to get a little bit more into tiktok shop because some news just happened about this mm. there was like a raid because oh. apparently something that's been happening since tiktok shop like came to be and people could just sell you whatever there was not a lot of rules or regulation. Because, mm. like, it's one thing if you're like, I'm a small business and I'm trying to um, put my small businesses page on social media and market our products that way and sell you our products that way. Yeah. When you're literally putting a business online, I'm like, well, you literally are selling things. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what's happening. Versus just, like, these kind of people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm telling you about my day and I'm using subtly this, like one type of concealer, which you can buy right here. It's right here in the TikTok shop. Right. Um, And then they make a commission off of that sale, Mm -hmm. right? Like a bunch of people are now working as like 
salespeople. Salespeople working on commission, though. Not even, like, they're not the business that's making the money from this. Yeah. They're just working off of a commission that's settled by the TikTok shop and, like, whatever. And what is the is TikTok shop? And there's been apparently a lot of, like, dropshipping stuff that's been going on where. Um, people just buy a bunch of products from, like, a brand and then, like, act as, like, the distributor, even though they're not actually part of, like, that brand or that company. And then, apparently, people were literally, like, selling counterfeit items, like, and then, like, counterfeit licensed items. Oh, my God. And then were also literally just lying, and some people were selling drugs (sighs) through the TikTok shop. She got, she got so listen, Puritan I listen, when she said I that. love my local drug dealer. So first of all, don't get me twisted. I love my drug dealer. But like doing drugs, on, selling drugs on the TikTok shop where you could be sending them from whatever state to whatever state, you're breaking like federal laws out the wazoo. Yeah. And, and then you're like marketing it as like a t-shirt. TikTok shop. And I'm like, so there, was, so there was this raid that happened over the weekend. And then I got up on like a slew of videos of people being like, oh, I have like $7,000 saved up and like, or saved up as like, uh, uh, in my commission earnings from TikTok shop. And I didn't cash them out. And now I'm not allowed to get them. And I'm like, oh God, you broke federal fucking, <laughs> They're like, butt hurt. They can't get their stolen money. <laughs> girl and now you can't get it and you're and i'm like and and then you're online complaining about not being able to get the potentially illegal funds that you have what and then and people are eating it up and giving you all the likes and comments and things so now that's that's their new product now they're like well now my content is this their new product is complaining about the the stolen money that they made that is that tiktok reconfiscated basically oh my god do you know what i what else i see is sort of like um, emblematic of this whole commodification thing, aesthetics and core, uh, like and girl and oh yeah, I love that I love, girl. This girl, yeah, I love like that because I say it all the time. I love all of those. Like I, I say those. Like, I like the. Like I too. also like the idea of them. I think that it just sometimes gets, and I'm guilty of this. It gets so brainwashy that you start thinking that like your whole life has to match perfectly mm-hmm. this aesthetic. When in like reality, look at all of human history. That's not a thing. And then also, like, it's literally just a micro trend, and you're gonna have, like, a new core or aesthetic yeah. or, like, era or girl in three weeks. Yeah. And, like, I mean, take inspiration, you guys, from these aesthetics and stuff, but honestly, have some sense of personal style. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wacko. Do you think we're gonna enter an era where, like, it's no longer, like, cottage core or church core or whatever? Instead, it's, like, your own first name core, like, Calicore. And I just have my own aesthetic now. Well, I mean, I feel like that's the case with some celebrities. And, like, if you go into, like, the realm of, like, standom and fandom. Oh, that's true. Like, that's kind of... It's, like, if you identify with, like, these things, you listen to a lot of Lana Del Rey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, that's true, that's true. Like, it's a very Lana Del Rey core. Actually, no, this is very real. I just remembered that this morning I was scrolling and there's uh, videos of Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Um, like, uh, she's, she's on tour right now, which by the way, I would love tickets, but, um. Hey Olivia. If a sugar daddy wants to drop them in my inbox, let me know. Sugar daddy. <laughs> um, and all the comments were like, this is so Tori Vega core. This is so Tori Vega <gasps> coded, like from Victoria's. Yeah. And I'm like, wait. Isn't that a read? 
No, I'm like, yes. I'm I feel like, like that's a read. I'm like, huh? I mean, it's basically everybody just calling her a theater kid, but I, I'm at the same time. A I'm theater like, kid who can't sing. But they're using the phrase like core or like, um, like coded. Yeah. To like hurl the insult, which is like this concept of this character from a TV show. Yeah. Oh, which I also love how creative we get with those words. Cause not only is there like core coded aesthetic, we also have pilled. Pilled. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. We get so creative with these like suffixes. That, well, pilled feels very like, I mostly hear it as like, that's trans pilled. Yeah. But I, I see people which take it further. We take pills. True. Well, actually, neither of us take pills. Well, also the blue pill, red pill metaphor is from the Matrix, and they're That's trans. That's like what it's like. I, yeah. I know. It's a- so now that we've talked about, like, coded and, like, girly pilled. and, like, pilled, I just came to the realization that all the games that you and I play on our podcast are kind of little versions of that. Like, what does your Pokemon starter say oh, about yeah. you? And then... All of like the coded things have come back in like a major way because of the weird renaissance of like 2010s like apocalyptic romance like oh yes like novels and movies which I will say nothing is making me feel older than the fact that we're romanticizing 2010s Tumblr. I know. I'm like, babe, it wasn't long enough ago. We need we give us a second. <sighs> it was really a time to be alive. So in the spirit of that, Kala. Our next game is going to be Tumblr Girly YA Literature. Okay. What are your top three and why does it resonate with you? Okay. Ooh, I'm feeling very twee right now. Um, let me see. Well, I think uh, this feels so cliche because it's so popular at the moment. Um, but definitely The Hunger Games was one of them for me. I read the books and I watched all of the movies. Katniss Everdeen is an icon. Um, is what I aspire to be. Yeah, same. She's so pretty. I fucking bitch. Um, and I think it resonates with me for the same reason that it resonates with a lot of sort of um, anarchy-aligned thinkers. Um, militant colonial capitalism is evil and to watch a liberation movement have success in fighting against it is very cathartic and young me didn't have the words for that and so instead it was like yeah blow them up yeah like yeah shoot them with an arrow kill them (laughs) how about you what's your like first one um my first one is uh the fault in our stars girl Girl. The you, romanticization of cancer. Do you remember that tweet that went viral with that girl who was like, I wish I had cancer so that somebody fall in love with me? <laughs> Baby, that's not the takeaway from the I book. I was like, no, the takeaway from the book. The media is literacy is at zero. And it was at zero in oh. the 2010s, but it has gotten worse. Good God. Idiocracy has never been more applicable. Uh, do you want to hear another one of my most cringe things that has ever happened in my life? Yes. Oh. I think I may have mentioned this to you before. Oh, where's this going? In high school, a group of friends and acquaintances and I started, like, reading a bunch of, like, the John Green novels. Mm. And The Fault in Our Stars came out. And then that year, we tried to make a club called the DFTBA Club. We really wanted to make it, like, the Hank Brothers Club, but they wouldn't let us make it a club off of, like, a YouTuber, a YouTuber's channel. 
Um, so we called it the DFTBA club, which by the way is like the phrase, don't forget to be awesome. Um, which is like the Hank brothers, like old catchphrase at like the beginning and end of all of like their YouTubes. And... You knew it wouldn't, you knew it couldn't be. And so you guys said, here's an acronym. Yes. And they approved it. My God. And we did this not because we really wanted to like be in a club because we all just like read the books and then communicated online. Um, we did this so that we could go to a book signing event. Oh my God. And our stars. <sighs> and we got just enough funds to send like the five of us there. This, this is when Betty's parasocial obsession with online <laughs> internet boys began. It was the, it the was the Green Hank brothers. brothers. Or the, have I been the Hank brothers. brothers. Ah, the Hank, Hank brothers. I was saying the Hank brothers. Well, we, we know which one you love. One was definitely Twilight. But I liked Twilight in, like, the gross, autistic girl kind of way, where for, like, three years of my life, in college, I was fully um, pretending to be Bella in my day-to-day life. So, like, I would be, like, you know, sitting down at McDonald's, (laughs) but I'd be, like... And there was literally... Like, you remember the 2016 trend where, like, everybody was wearing way too much highlighter? Yeah. I would do my entire face in highlighter. I would use brown highlight as oh, contour. to be like a So that I could look sparkle. sparkly. Like, Shut it was a problem. I would watch up. movies on repeat and cry about the same things every time. Every single You're time. You were like, I am Alice. I was yearning <laughs> for my vampire boyfriend. Oh, man. Yeah. And g- funny enough, come to find out it's all just a Mormon allegory. And that made me dislike it immediately. Twilight's a Mormon allegory. Are you joking? It's a Mormon allegory. I didn't know this. Yeah. I'm Ugh. a fan, but like, I'm not like a mega fan. We, do we need a whole episode about Twilight being a Mormon allegory? I think we do. I think we need an explanation episode of Twilight as a Mormon allegory. Okay, we will get there. Okay, wait. What's another one for you? Another John Green novel. Um, not a second John Green Looking novel. for Alaska. <laughs> oh my god. Looking for Alaska. You know what? Like, you're allowed to like the things. Looking you like. for Alaska was the first book I ever read about like teen suicide. <laughs> Why did she say that like it was an achievement? It wasn't. An achievement. <laughs> she said, "You know what? Looking for Alaska was that was when my love for teen suicide novels really began." Let me recount the other ones that I like for you very quickly. We have. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Looking for Alaska was what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my last one is one that they're making a movie out of. I'm so excited. And it's Aristotle and Dante Discover the Universe. Have you ever read it? Didn't that movie already come out? It might have. Maybe it came out this summer. Am I crazy? I don't think so because I've been waiting for it. So hopefully not. I hope I didn't miss it. I believe the writer of that movie is trans also. Slay. But don't quote me on that. I I might be misremembering. Well, it is a beautiful book and it's very homosexual and I love it. That is great. I actually have never read it. So maybe I should read it before the movie comes out. You should. I'll loan it to you. Oh, thank you. How about you? What is your last one? My last one is your first one, The Hunger Games. (laughs) Yes. And with the Ballad of Songbird and Snakes movie out now, it's like... I feel like Hunger Games has really been the forefront of like the resurgence of this era, which is so funny because the Ballad of Songbirds and Sinks only came out like during the pandemic. Like it's a really new book that I guess 
um, Suzanne Collins was just like, you know what? I need another check. And it's really expanded the universe of it's the Hunger Games. It's a great Games. book. I love the book. I could see now her like leading a project where they create a series that fills in the gap between that first Hunger Games and like the official novels. Um, but she has so many places she could take it now, which yeah. is really cool. I love to see writers have success. I really love the Hunger Games because it's one of the most like fleshed out um, worlds and yeah. lore that's like apocalyptic. So you know, like it's the w- real world that we live in, but it feels so different. Yeah. But then the way power works in the Hunger Games is kind of how power works right now. Yeah. So it you resonate with it. Yeah, it feels really real. Yeah. Like, because, well, genuinely, we're just a couple steps away from that happening anywhere on Truly. Earth. With the current world order. Um, well, that was surprisingly heavy also when we were trying to lighten things up. So let's head into another heavy part of the conversation uh, that I think I brought up a little bit earlier, but... There are it, two it, topics are so uh, intertwined. It was kind of hard not to. Yeah, because, okay, if we're talking about spending all of your day and time commodifying yourself, coming up with who am I as an aesthetic, and then branding yourself as a product online in the hopes of what? Having followers? Having money? Oh it's my getting God. paid, bitch. <laughs> um, the only way to do that is to make content. Mm-hmm. And Betty and I have talked about content before we've made you're fun of ourselves you're because currently listening to yeah it you're right listening now. to our content right now but the thing is like maybe i'm tooting our own horn too much here but we're a little intentional about this content what i want to talk about is making everything into content you mean like um like those like sensory like rock pulling live streams yes you know talking about those like gem yes live and they just shout numbers at you the whole time yeah. and i never know what the numbers mean mm-hmm. you know Or like, and I don't know if you've ever felt this way, and maybe this is my question to you, but like, you ever pick up a new hobby these days? Like, maybe you want to start journaling, right? But before you start journaling... That's a hobby. I have to do that for therapy. Well, let's pick something else. Maybe you want to get into (laughs) making clay earrings, right? So you watch some other people's content about making clay earrings, and you're like, well, that was really fun. I'm going to learn how to do this. You buy all the supplies to make clay earrings. And all of a sudden, before you get started, you think to yourself, shit... Should I make content about me learning how to make clay earrings? And before you know it, everything in your life is like, well, should I turn that into a series? Should I make this into a piece of content? And it's exhausting. How do you feel? Like, where are you at? Do you feel like a compulsion to turn your life into content? Absolutely. Um, And I really actually tried to for a while. Mm. Um, Especially on TikTok, I really tried to be like a content creator, as they say. Really trying to like find my niche by um, kind of like cutting down my life to like the most simple like things and i was like okay boston drag queen and comedy like that's those are like the three tags i put on everything mm. i let me post videos that are make all ones just saying drag let me post videos that are all ones just saying boston let me post videos that are all ones just saying comedy mm. and the ones that get the, got the hits were like boston interesting um and so like i just niched myself down into like boston drag queen haha and like in that order yeah and it really helps like me get my feet off the ground and like in like that first year that tiktok blew up during the pandemic yeah i was like able to like make a little bit of money off of it and then wow. people were reaching out to me like local businesses in boston were reaching out to me to like try and make sponsored content for them wow that's really cool and yeah yeah it was really interesting um and then kind of 
what came with that is uh, like my image kept getting out there and then I ended up attracting people to my page that clearly did not want or care to see me. Mm. Um, and so I would like do live streams and they would get really, really hateful. Oh. And so then I would like act doing them and then I just kind of fell off of wanting to make like content as like a content creator yeah. and I really wanted to go back to kind of just focusing on acting. Yeah. Um, because acting is not something where I have to like always be in the face of like thousands of people. Um, and like, I know that every mask that we wear is like a little different. Like the person you put online is not necessarily you, but I actually am of the belief that like all of the masks we wear are ourselves. Yeah. As opposed to like that, oh, I have the real me and then all these other masks. And like, I think all of that is the real me. That's a very Gemini response. Well, <laughs> what can I say? I'm like, but I don't have like a version of me that's just for me necessarily. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And maybe that's just because I've always been uh, somebody who's been trying to be a performer mm -hmm. of some type my whole life. Uh, but it was very different when it felt like people were attacking like who I was versus yeah. um, like a role that I played or something. Yeah, I think that's so interesting that Sorry, you've... I went way off the like, just trying to like make content creation there. And I was like, my journey as like a content creator was like, I had a really huge early spike and mm. then um, it dropped off. And now it's kind of the way that people make content on TikTok specifically is so different from when yeah. I was like rising as a content creator that I don't know if I could ever like really get back into the game because so much of it is about um, sponsoring products. Yeah. And or and not or not sponsoring them but um, selling them at a commission rate for yourself. I feel like so much of social media these days and there's a lot of like videos and things popping up about this as well. I'm not an original thinker here but I feel like social media and the internet is kind of not as much fun anymore. And part of that is the fact that like, it just feels like one giant commercial. Yeah. Like I'm constantly being inundated with mm -hmm. too much just commercialization. And I think what makes me really sad about that, not to sound like an old lady, is that we went through, you and I went through a time in our lives where like the internet was really just like the wild west. Yeah. And now it is just, like, another branch of any type of, like, corporate advertising. Yeah. And it's, which, like, that's the most depressing part is it's all corporate advertising yeah. now. Whereas, like, I remember being on the early internet, it felt like the content that was being created was being done mostly by, like, fandoms or individuals. And HTML and Adobe Flash Player dominated the internet and websites were, like, really unique and kind of silly and fun. And everybody assumed that the information on there was not real and now people are so good at commodifying and contentizing their lives that they convince millions of people that that's the authentic version of their life mm -hmm. when like i hate to break it to you kids here in los angeles there are influencer studios where you go to make it look like you have a fancy house a fancy car that you're in a private plane the, the whole way that you like work as an actor you can get an, an agent and a manager they have that for just influencers. for influencers yeah people come here without a following audition at influencer agencies and become influencers yeah. because again it's almost like not i mean it's basically modeling turned into influencers. yeah and but it's like the way modeling used to be for people and i was saying at the beginning of the podcast like there are two types of people that are online there's the people or rather people that are commodifying their lives there's people that are doing it in this way that's like entertaining inspirational 
And those people tend to have like the most followers and the biggest earnings. Whereas there's all of these other people that are just salespeople, which is why you can come to LA and get an agent and learn how to be a salesperson online and get a decent little following. But I don't know, like how long does that last also? How long are we willing as consumers to stay on an internet where like everything is just one big commercial and all of our friends are slowly turning into commercials themselves? Yeah, it's like, where does myself begin and the product end? Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually like really happy that you spoke about your experience on TikTok because over the next year, I'm planning to create a video series in which I try to like put myself out there a bit more as a filmmaker and a trans person, specifically a trans person trying to become a filmmaker. And I'm doing so begrudgingly. <laughs> like, I'm doing it because I feel like in our current content world, if I want to be a filmmaker, if I want to have an opportunity to have a producer pay attention to me and offer me some money, like the only way to do it these days is to say, look at the the social media pull that I have. Yeah, and um, it's really weird. It's really interesting in the way that like consumers interact with content because um, it's like they want authenticity. Yeah. In a way that like if like the difference between a TikTok sponsored ad and a TikTok eligible for commission is that the eligible for commission supposedly feels more authentic. Yeah. Because the company didn't pay you to talk about the product, even though I'm like, well, the company is going to pay them a commission if they sell this. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same Just... thing, babes. There's not, one's not more authentic than the other. One thing marketers is going to do, they're going to find a way around shit to yeah. get in front of you. Yeah, it's it's a strange place, and I'm really I'm just really sad that like Gen Alpha and younger won't even grow up with a time where the internet wasn't like this. Well, this is another thing that's like really spooking me too, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I feel like we're entering a media era where like everything we consume is micro content, mm -hmm. and it's told to us in a way that's like very 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 distilled down. Whereas, like, the media landscape we grew up in, like you were just saying, I, like, I had TV shows, cartoons, dramas. I had all sorts of different genres of film that I had access to. I had video games. I had books. And not that kids don't have those these days. They just literally are not spending as much time with those things mm -hmm. anymore. And most recently... Or they're spending it all in the same place that they do other things. They spend other things. Like they're reading all those books on their phone, which yeah. is the same location where they can scroll on TikTok. Yeah, and so they're being inundated constantly with interruptions and those sorts of things. And most recently, um, you're gonna have to help me here, the guy at HBO, the big head honcho that we hate. David Zaslav. So most recently, David Zaslav himself referred to movies as content. And I think that's what, like when we get on this podcast and we say the contentization of everything, yeah, we're all making content of our lives. We're all fucking products now. I get that. The other thing though is like some parts of our cultural heritage, in my opinion, like film, like literature, like fine art, require a certain amount of respect from our governing and leadership bodies. And I'm going to say skill. And, oh, well, of course. And so like they're, to refer to them- craft. To refer to them as content, when again, what I've been preaching this whole fucking episode is that most content creators are salespeople. Mm -hmm. They're selling you lotion. Mm -hmm. They are not making a cultural piece of art. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying there's no skill in like being a salesperson. Yeah, of course not. There is. It's just not the same thing. Yeah, but those aren't the same thing. The skill that you develop to sell people things is not the same skill you develop to transform into characters. It's not the same skill you develop to paint a painting, right? Yeah. 
It feels like the same powers that be that like turn the internet from what it was before, like what we've been talking about, into just being a giant corporate advertisement is like trying to anything that is going to be in front of the eyeballs of a consumer, the news, TV, whatever's on an iPad, any like they want it all to be the same. They want it all to be corporatized in a giant ad, including movies, which is like draining. And that's why I've been thinking about like how dangerous it is that you really can do anything just like on your smartphone. Yeah. Because that leaves people with less room. Like one of the biggest reason, one of the big reasons that the um, WGA, DGA, and the SAG um, AFTRA unions all went on strike was, or not one of the biggest reasons, but like a indicator, I should say, that the, the unions were going to go on strike is because studio executives were trying to say that like the job of a writer and a director is the same and we're going to call it content creator. No. Just so that they could get away with paying people like the same amount of money, even though the Directors Guild and the um, Writers Guild have different contracts and different negotiations and are specified as different people so that they can get different pay. Yeah. And it was going to be like a huge weird hit to both of them. Um, and then obviously like that would affect actors too. So they all were like, let's go on strike. So it's really interesting that we put everything on our phone because that kind of like socializes us as people to not think of those things as different, to not think of movies and TV shows as different. And I'm fearful. To not think fearful. of them as different from books or scrolling on Instagram. You were saying earlier about how like Gen Alpha isn't going to grow up in the same media landscape that we do. I'm fearful of the idea that like, what if Gen Alpha grows up in a time where movies aren't even called movies anymore and they don't have the cultural heritage that they so rightfully deserve? Because, I mean, you know this from being on sets yourself. Making a movie requires the physical labor of a ton of people. Literally thousands. Who are, most of them, trained in art and are upholding a very valuable artistic expression in American culture. And to compare them to content creators, and we create a world in which young people are going to think for the rest of their lives, potentially, that writing, making movies, making art has no value. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're creating machines that write books. No, they don't. I don't know. It's a little spooky. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't, don't think that content creators deserve to be celebrities. Anybody can be a celebrity or like famous or whatever. But the fact that I think the, like, lifestyle that content creators immediately want to go chase was, like, the lifestyle of celebrity movie and TV actors was, uh, has weirdly trickled down, follow me, this makes sense, okay. into what you were just saying where there's, like, not the same value of art or it's the same value that we put to selling people things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Again. You're turning movies into giant advertisements. Yeah. And, like, people don't go to the movies for that. I know. It's absolutely crazy. Wow. This has been a wildly deep episode, Kala. Yeah. Oh, my God. Talk about turning into literally just nothing but binary code. Binary. Binary. Not on this Non-binary code. <laughs> um, Is the non-binary code three? That would technically be the case. And I don't want to get into this because I actually right, know. Right, because isn't binary I, like zeros and ones? Yes, I actually know the answer to this. Um, that's like that's literally how machine learning algorithms work is by using a non-binary code. She's cracked the code. Non-binary people are machines is what I'm saying. Yeah, and are hackers. 
Hookers. Hooker. That's me. Hey. <laughs> well, Betty, this was a displeasing conversation and has left me existentially dreadful. And with that, goodbye, everybody. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed our content. Bye.